politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz. Sick, but still not down for the count, back in the house for your one and only independent source of conservative news and views for this new week here on August 10th. And no, I did not get a uh, botched sex change operation, even though I sound like it. Uh, I don't feel as bad as I sound, but you know what? I feel worse than probably most people, 95% of people who get the worst plague in the history of mankind, SARS-CoV-2. I'm telling you, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people in my neighborhood had this with the backyard camps where the kids were shut down forever. You didn't have the natural immunological ecosystem that God created where kids gradually get things. And and they do get colds and you get it from them sometimes. But everyone had the same experience we did. You send your kid out to a backyard camp one time, they get a cold and we all got it. And it's 100% a cold. I mean, other people I know that had the same thing. They were tested. I don't need to be tested. Um, He's over it. My wife's over it. And I'm getting over it. But it's just kind of funny. A harbinger of what's to come. This indefensible assault on schools. Where either the schools will be closed or they're going to close whenever there's a kid with a cold. They're going to close now at a threshold. That is lower than, but by far the seasonal flu, much less a pandemic flu that we had two years ago. Where do we go from there? And as I noted on Friday, and I'm going to have a long article out today on it, with the false positive uh, problems endemic of these stupid PCR tests, how many of them are going to pick up these colds from kids? That aren't really viruses, especially if they're coronaviruses. We already know from research of the University of British Columbia in 2003 with SARS-1, some of those PCR tests designed to pick up SARS were really picking up HCOV OC43, which is a coronavirus cold. So that is something that will need further research. Obviously, as always, the world is crazy these days. So even over a weekend, there's more to report than we can give over in a one-day show unless we start doing weekend shows. Sure, some of our big fans would love that, but we need a little bit of R&R every weekend. But to me, the biggest story is out of Blaze.com. Nashville Councilwoman wants attempted murder charges for people who don't wear face masks, pass on COVID. Oh, I mean, first off, she might want to ask the Hawaiian government where they're experiencing a surge in cases. Well, who's passing it on? They have 100% mask compliance. Who's passing it on in the Philippines, in Israel, in Japan, in Hong Kong, in Australia, where they have 100% compliance? Maybe you ought to sue God. Sharon Hurt, an at-large member of the Nashville Metro Council, suggested this week that people who do not wear a face mask but spread coronavirus should be hit with attempted murder or murder charges. 
She said this during an August 5th meeting between the city's public safety, beer and regulated beverages and health hospitals and social services committees. And she plans on trying to introduce some legislation to that effect. And I thought to myself, I think the single biggest problem that common sense Americans face is they don't understand the nature of the opposition. The biggest problem we have in our society today is only one side is religious. Now you might think, oh, well, you know, Christians are religious, the seculars aren't. No, it's the opposite. The Judeo-Christian values in this country are waning to the point where the church is so weak. Nobody seems to believe in the veracity of their stated views of natural law, of God's law, of simple science. You know, speaking of botched sex change operations, you have the health director of Pennsylvania is a dude who acts like a woman, doesn't believe in X and Y chromosomes, but tells us what the science is. But you look at the left and they believe They have religious beliefs. I've noted this from day one. That the very same people that are letting out murderers, literally we have one in, we'll get to this later in the show if we have time, in Maryland, in Virginia, in New York now. Murderers who are released to commit more murder. You have a lot of that in California as well. Because, oh, we can't allow them to get coronavirus in jail. And these very same people go ahead and now say, If you don't wear a mask, you're a murderer. You see, they have supplanted God's law. They have supplanted constitutional law. They have supplanted natural law with their form of postmodern paganism. You got to give them credit. They believe in their views. We will never resolve this unless we have an equal and opposing force that believes in our views believes on the fa- in the facts on the ground that we are seeing with observations after five months of this. What works, what doesn't work. How this spreads no matter what you do. How they are killing more people through lockdown and through these policies and the emotional health. You know, this, this piece of garbage from Nashville, we talked about this. In Davidson County, which is Nashville, there are actually more people dying of suicide because of isolation than from the virus even with the liberal counting of COVID deaths. But I wanted to talk today to you guys today about the triumph of Sweden. See, one country did what everyone else was scared to do, but has always done with epidemics that are even worse, which is you you have basic common sense distancing. You try to avoid really large indoor gatherings. You shield the vulnerable, but beyond that, you don't suspend democracy and liberty. You don't suspend your economy. You don't close schools where kids have a lower threat level from this than from the flu. And you have a stronger society, a stronger mental health, a stronger physical health, a stronger economy to deal with the remaining, the remainder of this much scaled down epidemic relative to what it's hyped to be. This is from uh, Newsweek. Sweden's GDP fell 8.6% in quarter two, 
the country's worst quarterly decline. But guess what? They outperformed every other European country. Every, obviously, everyone's going to be in a recession because the whole world is connected. But there's a difference between a recession and a Great Depression. They fell 8.6%. America fell 33%. And, um, but at this point, Sweden is currently not in a recession. According to their definition. Because it takes two consecutive quarters. Their unemployment rate remains... Wait, wait, where is this? While fears of a second wave of the outbreak loom over Europe, including in Spain, France, Germany, the Netherlands, and Belgium, new infections in Sweden have been declining since around late June. On a typical day, they have zero or one death. Anders Tegnell, the chief epidemiologist at Sweden's public health agency. And by the way, if the Nobel Prize were anything to do with um, science, this guy would win it. And speaking of which, Stanford professor Michael Levitt has predicted this from day one. He is a Nobel laureate in chemistry. He said, we are now seeing rapidly falling cases. We have continuously <coughs> had healthcare that has been working. There has been... There have been free beds at any given time, never any crowding in the hospitals. In many ways, the voluntary measures we put in place in Sweden have been just as effective as, as, effective as complete lockdowns. There you go, my friends. I want you to think about for a minute how in America... We lost 33% GDP, $2.3 trillion, which according to fe the federal calculator of one life loss per 17 million in decline in economic productivity, that's 135,000 people lost to lockdown. And boy, are we seeing that every day. Well, if you don't live in Sweden, friends, let me tell you, you're going to look for ways to save money. If you're not, especially if you're not one of those that are getting handouts from the government, or even if you are, but certainly if you're not, you need to find a way to save money. And that's why I want to introduce you guys to today's sponsor, Gabby Insurance. What if I told you that by simply going to Gabby.com slash Daniel, two-minute survey on information on your homeowners and car insurance, type it in there. They are not an insurance company. They are a broker to merely survey the companies to see who has the cheapest rates. It's a database. You will not have to pay anything. I'm not asking you to purchase a product. I was very suspicious of this. Oh, come on, these little things to say how much money I'm going to save. Recently, I did this with a home building website to see how much it costs to build a vacation home for our extended family. We're all kind of chipping in. And guess what? It takes forever. It's a runaround. It's 50 million questions, another 50 million. And you never really come to a conclusion. Here, after two minutes, I'm not kidding you, <clears throat> two minutes of information you give them, they check your policy plans for homeowners and car and then they spit back to you in an email straight up no games the top five or so 
policy options you have, travelers, progressive, nationwide, whatever. And they, on average, save people $825 per year. I have really, really good plans with Geico, and I've been with them for a long time. I was like, there's no way they're going to save me money. Two minutes later, I got the email back, and they saved me 400 bucks by, by switching. $400. They will never sell your info. They don't give you annoying spam and robocalls. They'll text you one time and say, hey, you're saving money. Go act on it here. Here's where you need to go if you want to switch over. My dad always told me, go through your finances, your utilities, phone bills, every once in a while, see if you could do better with another company. They do that work for you. And you know what? If you don't, some of you might find it doesn't save you money. Then you have that peace of mind that you are getting the best rates. Sometimes they might maybe save you a drop and maybe it's worth it to have that longevity with the company you've been with. So that could be a consideration as well. But also sometimes what you want to do is you then go back to your current provider, which I'm going to do, and say, hey, I have a better rate going with another company. Could you do better? And often it works. I'm going to do that this week. I'll let you know how it works. I'm telling you, folks, it is cost-free. Two minutes, you will see, you will get a list by company of plans they offer for the exact same type of coverage mixture of homeowners and car and they'll break it down for you so you'll be able to see okay i saved 200 with this homeowners 300 with this uh car insurance and they'll bundle it together it's totally free to check your rate out no obligation again take two minutes right now i want you guys to support us here at cr and blaze support our sponsors that stand behind our message see how much you could save on your car and homeowners insurance Win-win situation. Go to Gabby.com forward slash Daniel. That's G-A-B-I dot com forward slash Daniel. Gabby.com forward slash Daniel. The only risk you run is not finding out how much money you're going to save. Now, as a nation, we've obviously lost a tremendous amount of money. By the way, that $2.3 trillion loss, that's only through June. I mean, this ain't over. If you look at July, we're already halfway into August. We probably lost another 10%. But this is where we are. There was a doctor who um, wrote a little bit about his experience in Sweden, Swedish doctor, Malcolm Kendrick. I want to read to you some observations from him. And this is posted on, oh, I'm sorry. This is a blog, drmalcolmkendrick.org. I believe it's a U.S. doctor. And he was contacted by a Swedish doctor. And he asked him if he could reproduce what he was telling him in a blog post. And here is basically what he found. As many people know, Sweden is perhaps the country that has taken the most relaxed attitude of any towards the COVID pandemic. Unlike other countries, Sweden never went into a complete lockdown. Non-essential businesses have remained open. People have continued to go to cafes and restaurants. Children have remained in school and very few people have bothered with face masks in public. Yeah, talk about killing people. COVID hit Stockholm like a storm in mid-March. 
One day I was seeing people with appendicitis and kidney stones, the usual things you see in an ER. The next day, all those patients were gone. And the only thing coming into the hospital was COVID. Practically everyone who was tested had COVID, regardless of what the presenting symptoms was. People came in with a nosebleed and they had COVID. They came in with stomach pain and they had COVID. Then after a few months, all the COVID patients disappeared. It is now four months since the start of the pandemic. And I haven't seen a single COVID patient in over a month. Remember, this is an ER doctor. When I do test someone because they have a cough or a fever, the test inevitably comes back negative. At the peak three months ago, 100 people were dying a day of COVID in Sweden, a country with a population of 10 million. We are now down to around five people dying per day in the whole country, and the number continues to drop. Since people generally die around three weeks after infection, that means virtually no one is getting infected anymore. If we assume around 0.5% of those infected die, and that's very generous, then that means that three weeks back, 1,000 people were getting infected per day in the whole country, which works out to a daily risk per person of getting infected of, infected of 1 in 10,000, which is minuscule. Basically, COVID in all practical senses is over and done with in Sweden. After four months, in total, COVID has killed over under, under 6,000 people in a country of 10 million, a country with an annual death rate of around 100,000 people. Considering that 70% of those who died of COVID are over 80 years old, quite a few of those 60,000 would have died this year anyway. That makes COVID a mere blip in terms of its effect on mortality. This is why it's nonsensical to compare COVID to other major pandemics like the 1918 pandemic that killed tens of millions of people. COVID will never even come close to those numbers. And yet many countries have shut down their entire economies, stopped children going to school and made large portions of their populations unemployed in order to deal with this disease. The media have been proclaiming that only a small percentage of the population have antibodies and therefore it is impossible that herd immunity has developed. Well, if herd immunity hasn't developed where are all the sick people? Why has the rate of infection dropped so precipitously? Considering that most people in Sweden are leading their lives normally now, not socially distancing, not wearing masks, there should be a high rate of infection, right? Then he goes on to say, as we've noted, the reason we test for antibodies is because it's easy and cheap. Antibodies are, in fact, not the body's main defense against viral infections. T-cells are, but T-cells are harder to measure than antibodies, so we don't really do it clinically. It's quite possible to have T-cells that are specific for COVID and thereby make you immune to the disease without having any antibodies. Personally, I think this is what happened. Everybody who works in the ER where I work has had the antibody test. Very few actually have antibodies. This is in spite of being exposed to huge numbers of infected people, including at the beginning of the pandemic, before we realized how widespread COVID was and no one was wearing protective equipment. Sweden ripped the metaphorical Band-Aid off quickly and got the epidemic over and done with in a short amount of time, while the rest of the world chose to try to peel the Band-Aid off slowly. At present, that means Sweden has one of where is this? Now, they'll say they have one of the highest death rates in the Nordic countries. This is me talking here. But when you actually look at the excess deaths, because they count them very liberally, it's no more than Finland and the Netherlands. The triumph of Sweden. 
They have come out unscathed. Their dignity intact. Their democracy intact. Their economy intact. Their mental health intact. What are we left with? Over at the Federalist, our friends there, Sumatra Maetra has an article out today about a new study showing how Sweden has proven lockdowns mean nothing. They don't stop anything. Sweden ended up with around the same level of dead proportional to overall population as other countries that did engage in massive lockdowns and will be more ready than most of the world to face future waves of the virus. Now, actually, I don't think they're going to get it. As a recent academic essay suggests, confidence in its public health agency remains high at 65%, suggesting Swedes are not unhappy with the trade-offs made. They are prepared to follow directions, perhaps more than Australians and residents of the U.S. and the much-touted Germany. Sweden's Civil Contingencies Agency says 87% of the population is complying with social distancing restrictions that are in place. But again, these are voluntary, just common sense things. People aren't going to hug each other and get on top of each other. So you don't have a really quick spread, you know, while it's still lurking. But everything else, you go about your normal life. Yet all these countries and states that have had mask mandates forever have it even worse. Who is killing whom? That's the real question. Who is killing whom? It's the lockdowns that are killing. That is the real truth here. And folks, if you want to put in perspective, we talked about this a little bit on Friday. But even in America, you look at the magnitude of what's going on. FEMA and HHS have 10 regions. They divide the country up into 10 emergency regions. And if you remember, we talked about the fact that an epidemic is defined as 7% of all-cause deaths for that given week. And you look at given regions, and you just don't see it. Region 3 is Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Kentucky, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Alabama. If you take that all together... They peaked at 6.5 on July 13th, right? That's when it was, you know, raging in the South. It's gone down. It was 6.5%. It didn't even reach an epidemic standard. Now it's at 3.2% of ER visits. Okay? Region 9, Arizona, California, Hawaii, Nevada... They peaked at 9.8%, so they did reach over it in July 4th. They're at 3.3% now. Region 5, that's like Chicago, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio, Midwest. They have gone down as well. They are now down to 1.8%. So that's a perspective you're not going to hear elsewhere. This stupid like body count that's very superficial and very inaccurate inaccurate, doesn't mean jack squat. Just doesn't mean anything. And by the way, the UK is considering 
scrapping its its death its death count because it's just so wrong. It's so wrong. Sage, it's an acronym for their like health council. They estimate um that a good deal of their deaths are overblown. And they also estimate 81,500 lockdown deaths. 81,000 lockdown deaths. That is astounding. That is utterly astounding. 85,000. I'm sorry, 81,500. <clears throat> <clears throat> To put that into terms that might be more meaningful to us Americans, Great Britain has a population of 66.6 million. Okay? So that means that times five, let's just say times five for the U.S. population, you're talking about several hundred, you're talking about, you know, I don't know, 330, 320,000 lockdown deaths in America. Because when I gave you that estimate of 135, that was just due to the lost economic activity, not all of the health problems. All the people, you know, elderly people that, oh my gosh, you're going to die of COVID. Well, okay, it's a little bit more dangerous for them. A certain ones with conditions is a lot more dangerous, but is it more dangerous than cancer? Is it more dangerous than heart and stroke? You cannot do this to a society. That's another thing to remember when you're talking about Sweden. Sweden didn't do this. So Sweden didn't lose all of the people due to lockdown. You have to look at net deaths. So let's say Sweden lost a little bit more. And and again, if you look at excess deaths, it's not really proven that way because almost everyone who died there was over 80. So it's hard to tell, did they really even die from it? That's a whole debate. Or they would have died within maybe a few months. So you don't really see annual excess fatalities. But to the extent that they have more than Norway and some of those other Nordic countries, they have a lot less than the you know, lockdown countries of, of Spain and Italy and France and UK. Aside from a lot of it being their immigrant population that Norway and Finland don't have. But also, just keep in mind... If you lose, let's just say, I'm just saying 6,000 people to COVID and the other country lost 3,000 people, but then the other country lost another 10,000 people to lockdown that you didn't lose, well, who came out better? And one comes from God, one's man-made, so that's a lot worse. So that's another very important thing to keep in mind. But here we are in America with this obsession about testing. So the more you test, the more you find often inaccurate, often false positives, or they're just asymptomatic, they're superficial, and you cause even more panic, and cause even more lockdown, and cause even more social anxiety, and cause even more disruption that in turn causes more social isolation, more suicides, more drug deaths, more missed health care. Panic kills, anxiety kills. And again, like this asymptomatic thing is stupid. There's one thing if 10% are asymptomatic. So you're like, oh, I don't, I'm scared. Maybe they'll spread to others. But if 70% are asymptomatic, 
or, you know, it gets very like murky. On some measures, it's 95% are asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic. When we say mildly, we don't mean, oh, anything short of hospitalization. We mean like less than the flu, way under, you know, way subclinical. You don't, that, that at some point, take yes for an answer. That's good news. That's not bad news. You could say you have a small number of silent spreaders. But if most people are like that, that's a good thing. You just shield the immunocompromised, get it done with. This whole thing is stupid. But the more we test, the more we find false positives. They keep moving the goalposts. Back in late June, the Harvard Global Health Institute was pushing for 500,000 tests a day, a benchmark that was promoted by the COVID tracking project, which has now been driving the narrative of the virus. It's run by the left-wing Atlantic, by the way. They continued promoting that on June 26th, June 27th. Then on July 11th, COVID tracking tweeted their daily testing, and they said, because we already met the 500,000 benchmark, right? We're up to 700,000 a day. Well, actually, Harvard's Health recommends 1.6 million per day. They just changed it. Okay? Then, on July 26, CNN ran banners saying that the number that needs to be achieved, there was like, you know, you know when they interview someone, they have a banner across the screen. I'm, I'm reading it for you. I have a screenshot of it with Jake Tapper, who is the president of the United States. Um, again, this was on July 26. Harvard recommends 3.5 million to 5 million tests per day. U.S. currently tests fewer than 1 million. <laughs> they think that's fewer. It's like more than anyone in the world world put together. And Jake Tapper stated in an interview with the Surgeon General, I believe it was the Surgeon General, he said, they've been recommended 3.5 to 5 million per, for months. When literally a few weeks ago, they said 500,000. This is how they keep moving the goalposts. This is utterly insane. And here's the funny thing. You don't need to go to right-wing blogs to find the truth. CDC is saying how stupid this is, but there's CDC's political press releases, and then there's their data on their website. And it's very hard to navigate that website. But if you look at the actual information that the people there are putting out, it's what we're it's pretty much what we've been saying. In a stunning yet barely reported CDC report on July 22nd. They announced that aside for those that are immunocompromised, quote, a test-based strategy is no longer recommended. And they note the obvious reason. They don't talk about the false positives. But by the time most people get back their results, they are no longer contagious. That's the, that's the reality. It's a joke. A July study on the duration of viral shedding and infectiousness done by the UK, St. Andrews. It is probably the most comprehensive study to date on viral shedding and transmission. They note that no study to date has detected live virus beyond day nine of illness, despite persistently high viral loads. The peak shedding is actually usually around day five. 
this is different from, you know, many ways it's like the other family of SARS and MERS. This way it's actually a little different. SARS and MERS peak shedding was on week two. The study also notes that they found dead cells could be shed for as long as two to three months, but most commonly for 16 to 18 days. Thus, they conclude, quote, detection of viral RNA cannot be used to infer infectiousness. Because it's a joke. Because what they're typically capturing in most people by the time they get it is what we would call in French a vaccine. (laughs) They're dead cells. It's a joke. We know someone who had a daughter who was pregnant, had the virus months ago, went in to deliver in the hospital, and she tested positive because those stupid, pathetic PCR tests are so sensitive, they pick up every darn thing. No study has shown infectiousness beyond nine days, and this thing was picking up the stupid dead cells months later, and she had her baby taken away from her. Is this the country you and I want to live in? Well, folks, we got to fight back. We got to fight back not just because of the viral fascism, but as they treat you and me, new new mothers, as criminals. Someone not wearing a mask as a criminal when Fauci and the CDC in their in-house journal until May said not only doesn't it help, but it's counterproductive. And it creates more cross-contamination. Every state health department has said that about Protecting yourself against wildfires, smoke inhalation, it doesn't help. Unless possibly it's a form-fitted N95, which in that case they warn it will crush your heart rate because it will suffocate you. But these same bastards, these same subhuman bastards that are treating us as the criminals are removing murderers from jail. My home state of Maryland, this is the local Fox 5 DC Maryland murder suspect was freed due to COVID concerns before allegedly stabbing 63-year-old to death. 26-year-old Justin Wilson of Germantown faces first-degree murder charges after the July 23rd death of 63-year-old Adego Ienzo. Court records show a Montgomery County judge in April released Wilson from jail where he is awaiting trial on theft and other charges. And this happens again and again and again and again. There was a case in Virginia as well. All over the place. LA Times reports amid COVID-19, California releases some inmates doing time for murder. Advocates push for more. <clears throat> I mean, they go. I'm not going to read it here because I'm just losing my voice and... I'm going to have to sign off soon anyway for a meeting. But I will tell you guys. Remember how we talked about over the last five years together. How all my colleagues in the phony conservative movement bought it onto the Soros agenda. Well, it's just for nonviolent law level first time offenders. Well, I guess murder is a nonviolent crime now. Now, folks, you might think they made a mistake. Well, they didn't mean to refer to that as low level. No, no, no. That is a low level crime. 
because under their new religion of paganism, murder is not a problem. It never was with abortions. Theft is not a problem. Beatings are not a problem, especially if they're done by a particular race against another and for a particular reason. What is a problem is if you don't comply with the social conditioning of mask fascism and lockdown. That is the only crime. They had to go ahead and release all these criminals because, frankly, they needed to make room for you and me. Murder is skyrocketing in every major city. New York is going back to what it was when I was a kid. That entire miracle, 25-year miracle of New York's reduction in crime, gone. In New York City, murder rose by 59% in July compared to last year. Shootings are up 177%. And they're letting out one murderer after another. San Francisco, George Gaskin. This clown who served as district attorney in San Francisco. Now he's running for district attorney in L.A., He's promising to release even more. One after another, we're seeing more and more of this. There was a guy in Virginia who was let go. There's a guy in New York who was let go. Maybe I'll do an article on that. Where do you and I go? And the answer is we have to look inwards. We have to stop putting our heads down and walking with shame like, oh, we got to accommodate Ooh, the mass people. No. Get in their face like they get in our faces. We need to have the same belief in the science as proven by Sweden, as proven by Hawaii and California and Miami-Dade and the Philippines and Hong Kong and Japan and Israel and Australia that all had these crappy mask mandates and they're not working. Germany had it. Spain had it. It's coming back because they didn't achieve the saturation that Sweden achieved without destroying their country. It's truly sick. And the abuse of our children when they are more likely to die in a car accident by a factor of four, more likely to be struck by lightning by a factor of two than die from this. And not only not to die from this, but most don't even get really sick beyond what they typically get in a school year. Much less, in fact. We're destroying their mental health. We're destroying their immune systems. University of Wisconsin did a big comprehensive analysis of this. Wisconsin high school students, they found major anxiety and depression. We know suicide is goes up every year with adolescents. It's a big problem. It's the second highest uh, cause of death among them. And yet nobody cares. If there is one thing, obviously, we're going to be working on, we're going to be working on the kids, the mask abuse in schools, We're also going to be working on influencing this president if he wants to win re-election to pick a fight with the lawlessness and defund any locality from DOJ grant programs. So this would be in the DOJ title of the omnibus or CR bill that they're going to pass next month. He should veto any bill that has funding for a city that releases violent criminals 
a city that is allowing this lawlessness like we're seeing in Seattle and Portland. It literally looks like Afghanistan. It's actually worse than Afghanistan today. Roving bands of militias. And then finally, we need our own militia. It's time that you and I fight back. So we're going to be also working this week with other local officials, county executives, sheriffs, to replicate what we talked about last week with Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb to work with the sheriff to have a citizen's training program to deputize the citizen's posse, to bring the citizenry into law enforcement, to protect their communities. This is a great video that was circulated over the weekend in Fort Collins where these Antifa clowns infiltrated a suburban neighborhood and they turned the tables on them and beat them up. We need more of that. Violence needs to be met with a commensurate degree of violence. Political lies and policy need to be met with a commensurate degree of political truth and facts and the willingness to stand behind them with all the policy and, and, and legislative leverage points. We need to throw everything we can the same way these people are doing everything they can to destroy the country. It's that simple. Newton's law is a motion. An object will remain in place until there's an equal and opposing force or more than an equal and opposing force placed on it to move it in another way. The reason we are where we are is because there is only one force. We need to create that. Again, go to our Facebook pages, Miniman Speakeasy, Harwood Citizen Sanctuary, dharwitz at blazemedia.com is the email, at Conservative is the Twitter. Again, sorry for being a little bit slow today. It's hard to talk. Hopefully tomorrow we'll have a guest on so you don't have to listen to me. Make sure again to support our sponsor, Gabby Insurance. I'm telling you folks, it is cost-free. I really enjoyed the opportunity to save $400. A lot of people have saved $700, $800. dot com forward slash Daniel. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all and stay safe.